This is the Everything EV Podcast by EV Powered. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Everything EV Podcast, the podcast dedicated to everything electric. I'm your host, Charlie Atkinson, and in these episodes we'll be discussing everything to do with electric travel, so whether it be cars, bikes, boats or even planes, we'll have it covered. We'll also be speaking to people from within the industry to get their views on the EV space, as well as other features such as electric car reviews, electric motorsport coverage and much, much more along the way. This podcast is available on all streaming platforms, so be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts from to receive every single episode as soon as it's released. And please do go back and check out all our other episodes too. In today's episode, we'll be speaking to Patrick Reich, the co-founder and CEO of charging app Bonnet. Bonnet is an app that aims to streamline the charging process and to make the whole ordeal of plugging your EV in whilst out and about easier. The company was only started last year, but since then, it has established a presence all across Europe and its subscription model is making the app a popular way for EV owners to charge away from home. Patrick is here to tell us all about the app and how it works, as well as to share his views on the EV industry as a whole. So Patrick, welcome to the podcast and thanks for chatting with us today. Now, if we could just start with your background, first of all, and how that led you to starting up Bonnet. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, um, I studied uh, electrical and electronic engineering at uh, Imperial. So that was sort of my bachelor's and then subsequently my master's. And then when I entered my master's, um, I did it in the renewable energy space. So everything to do with, you know, solar, uh, wind, hydro, etc., uh, and then, of course, when you're looking at supply, then you're looking at demand of electricity. And when the projections put 7 million EVs on UK roads at, you know, by 2030, and like the conservative ones, then you have the problem of how to match that supply and demand when everyone comes home from work, essentially, with their electric cars, plugs it in. And it all sort of just went from that master thesis, which was essentially balancing supply and demand for electric vehicles to, with, with renewables, all the way into then, you know, because we were talking to so many um, electric car drivers, there was this very obvious pain point, which uh, they, well, the industry calls range anxiety, but to us, it seemed like it was charge point anxiety, where there is plenty of charge points. It's just, you know, accessing these charge points is difficult. Uh, and that's really how Bonnet came about. Um, we started sort of beginning of last year. And then we were, uh, and by we, I mean myself and my co-founder, Elliot, who was also, we met on my course, also an electrical engineer. Um, and so together we sort of launched Bonnet to, to fix the problem that we saw from all the, you know, people in the industry who were basically shouting about it to us. Uh, and then, yeah, we, we decided to tackle it. See, I think that's interesting when you mentioned yours and Elliot's course there. And I suppose a lot of people just think electric vehicles are cool and trendy. But in your case, it seems like you really understand and respect the environmental and sustainability aspects of it a bit more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for us, it's always been um, we wanted to do an, uh, something impactful. Uh, obviously, it's the same. I mean, we both live very sort of uh, environmentally conscious lifestyles in general. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been, you know, we, we both had opportunities to after our studies you know go and work somewhere else and we did for a brief period of time we said we didn't like it just because you know there wasn't anything um, meaningful that we were working on and that's why we came back and said hey this is actually something we understand we like Uh, it'd be a waste of you know just skills that we acquired over the course of uh, our research to, to not tackle it yeah Okay, so just on that, how would you sum up the main mission statement for Bonnet? And where did the name for the company come from, by the way? Okay, so I'll start with the name. 
and basically uh, that was it was crazy like a lot of people a lot of companies that i know you know they're thinking of their names and their logos for i don't know like weeks on end months uh, they put on like prizes and stuff and for us if the name and logo took maybe like an hour to set up um it's it also very ironic and we got to get this a lot it's like why would you name like a futuristic electric car company about you know this like bonnet which is essentially makes you just think of like an old rusty like car like a mustang like a diesel, a diesel guzzler um yeah no it was just just luck i guess so we both liked it it's two syllables uh, and we wanted to to be used as um uh, as a verb so you can use like hey i'm gonna bonnet there i'm gonna bonnet this so that, that's ma mainly why we settled on it um, and then the mission statement, I think, for us is really to just make uh, charging uh, away from home uh, as omnipresent as a uh, phone signal. Because, you know, you have phone coverage 99% of places you go to. Uh, and for us, we wanted to achieve the exact same thing with car chargers uh, for, you know, on your phone, uh, improve the user experience, and just really wherever you are uh, at any point in time, you can access any piece of hardware with just a single application. And were there any sort of personal experiences that were the light bulb moment for starting the company? And I don't want to use the phrase horror stories because you can have horror stories with a petrol and diesel car. But have there been any experiences where you look back and think, oh, Bonnet would have helped here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of these, especially in the media, all these horror stories are overblown because, you know, that's only the one thing that you, you focus on. But I'm sure every EV driver has their own horror story for us. Uh, it was actually both myself and my co-founder, we were driving in a Volkswagen e-Golf to a meeting up in just next to Bister and we didn't charge it up overnight and, you know, and we didn't have a chance to charge it up there. And then we were basically racing back to a pretty important meeting here. And then we start, stopped at one motorway service station, which was completely full. You know, like it's, it said that all the charges were available, but of course, all of them were taken by the time we arrived. Um, there was just like a slow charger, couldn't charge there. I go to the next motorway service station that we have to take like a 10 minute, minute detour to uh, the uh, app like doesn't work. And then you, you, it only works with a card. And obviously we don't have the card. It's going to arrive to our home address in five to seven business days, which is useless at that point in time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it really, when those types of things happen, I think it's almost good because it just reinforces, you know, the mission we're trying to achieve and what we're actually creating as a product. Because when you experience the problem firsthand, um, it's a lot, um, you're a lot closer to your audience, essentially, to the customers that you're trying to, you know, to essentially work with. Okay, great. And now, in terms of the feedback for the app, you said you launched towards the beginning of last year. So what has the feedback been like since you started? Well, the feedback uh, has been overwhelmingly positive, um, I think, because we we had the the main goal to to this day is just to make the charging experience user friendly because i think to this day most of the companies that are doing something similar are in the space um, no one really knows where the market is going to go and so you know they are offering products because they either have to offer the product because you know it's just a natural progression um and or they have like some other outside interests or like whatever it may be and it's seemingly like very little products have the customer um in mind when you, you build something which is very weird and i think that's why because we have the feedback cycle is very well established with us i mean we have um, so many channels to receive feedback back from customers um, and basically every sort of request for a feature or be reporting a bug it's very easy for them to do 
and we get that rather quickly. You know, turnaround times are quite um, short, and I think over, overall it's been very positive today. Okay, and now if I got my phone out right now and downloaded Bonnet, how would I go about using it, and what would the whole experience be like? Well, first of all, uh, well, it doesn't look ugly. I think that's already a great achievement that cuts out like 80% of apps out there um, that look like they were made on like Windows XP or something, um, which is great. Uh, and then second of all, I think um, you'd be probably surprised by how accurate the information is about charge points. Um, and what I mean by that is when a charge point says it's available, you can with like 99% certainty uh, be sure that it's available because uh, besides just us actually getting the data directly from the charge point itself, I mean, if, like the hardware communicates into the app, we put in so much extra metadata on top of that from various sources, you know, from public, from private sources, and our own like created uh, algorithms in the background that actually, you know, filter out and then see uh, extra sort of data points as to whether or not a charge point will be available. And I think the reliability will be the key sort of um, surprise almost if you will um when when you open the app is yeah i think it's cool and of course i think the ch actual starting the charge is so um what's it called so uh detailed because like different charge points have different ways to start the charge sometimes you have to plug in the cable before you click start charge sometimes it's vice versa and all of them are very sensitive to all types of stuff and basically every single brand of charge point, every single network has a very detailed and tailored instruction list um, that's not overwhelming. And I think that's that's why we have like one of the highest unlock rates um, in the industry. Okay, perfect. And now I was looking through your company website prior to this interview, and I noticed you've got quite a long list of different partners that you work with. So could you just touch on that and explain how you work with all those different companies and partners? You Well, we have partners, you mean the like sort of the charge point partners or yeah. the like Okay, so the ChargePoint partners, um, we have very good relations with because we actually integrate, basically to get ChargePoints onto your um, app, we actually go through each one of them directly. So there's not like, a, you know, a, a hub that we use where you just get 150,000 ChargePoints overnight. We establish the relations over a long period of time. Um, but that equally means that we, the quality, you know, of the information we receive is a lot better because it comes directly from them. Um, it also allows you to um, iron out any problems along the way a lot quicker. You know, we have direct communication channels with all of our partners. We feed back as much information as we can about their own network to them. So if, you know, our drivers have trouble charging on their chargers, they're, you know, they know that instantly. And it's the, whatever the matter is, it gets resolved rather quickly, like in a matter of hours. Um, and I think... It's, it's been quite nice to work with them. And I think they like us because we're one of the few independent parties in the industry. So they're, you know, we're not tied to anyone. We're not tied to like a big utilities firm or another charging partner. And so uh, it's like a blessing in disguise to not be tied to anyone within the industry because that sort of means that you don't have any outside interests and everyone almost wants to work with you, which is nice. Yeah, and as well, I noticed that Bonnet has a presence in quite a few different countries all around Europe. So how many countries is the app available in exactly? I mean, like, well, it's, it's a lot if you count, like, you know, we have like five chargers in, I don't know, Finland or something. So, you know, there you go, like Finland signed up. But uh, like, I wouldn't consider it a proper geography. We're live truly in the UK. And this is where like all of our customers are, are focused. But having said that, uh, I'd say Benelux, uh, the Benelux region is quite uh, well covered and the entire German speaking DAC region. So Austria, 
um, Germany and uh, Switzerland. Those are sort of our, and those are also, you know, the markets that we're looking into for, for next year as to if we're launching that. Yeah, just off the back of that, I mean, I've always been curious to know this because I've never driven an EV in a foreign country. So I know here in the UK, we have those complaints that some of the chargers are difficult to use and you don't know if you need an app for a certain one. So is that an issue that is specific to the UK or is that a universal issue for EV chargers wherever you go? It's it's a universal issue because, I mean, it, the industry is just so young. And at the end of the day, we, you got to keep in mind that you're like communicating with just like a piece of metal on the pavement, right? Uh, that's, you know, can anything can go wrong. It's unmanned. It's just standing by itself, like somewhere on the motorway. And, you know, if the signal cuts out or it rains or someone like misuses it, you're you're screwed basically. And so, and then until the engineering team gets out there and fixes it, it, it takes forever. Uh, and that's, you know, it will get better as the industry develops, as the hardware becomes better, as innovation drives better products like, you know, apps, whatever, unlocking mechanisms, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, it's not a UK thing. Uh, it's definitely like Europe-wide. It can, it's a bit better in some countries just because they're slightly ahead in terms of, you know, EV um, sales. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're doing pretty good over here, so. Yeah, so just to get your views on that, because obviously your business almost completely relies on EV chargers being difficult to use. And so do you think that more needs to be done by charge point operators to make them easier to work and easier to use? Or do you accept that some will always be difficult to operate? And so you're just providing a service to an existing and lasting problem. What's your sort of standpoint on that? I think the one thing that charge point operators should probably be held accountable for is just the uptime of their hardware that's that's a given because you know you don't want to be putting just like shitty chargers in the ground at the end of the day um but, but they equally i think a lot of people give them a hard time because they think that you know they need to do everything just correctly but most cpos or charge fund operators are concerned with just building out a wide coverage you know why a big network they're tendering for land which is hard to come by you know they're funding because like rapid chargers cost like 40,000 quid a pop so you know it's very difficult it's a very difficult business to be in in the first place uh, and plus you got to consider that EV demand or like charging demand is not nowhere close um, as high as you know how many chargers we have to date um, so equally like occupancy rates are not like a hundred percent all of the time of course yeah, I mean, as long as they get their hardware right, I think that's that's the main thing that they should, you know, should really be uh, doing. And then for now, I'd cut them some slack in terms of everything else that, that they're still, you know, figuring out when it comes to like software and like unlocking and usability, because um, then, then it allows other companies, you know, like ourselves to come in and, and equally help them out with that. Yeah, I see what you mean, how there's the, the bigger picture and the bigger issue of just getting the charging infrastructure in place and out there. So more and more people can make that switch over to EVs. Yeah, better better done than perfect, right? So <laughs> Exactly. And now I just wanted to get your views on something that's been announced fairly recently with the legislation that will mean all new build homes and office buildings in the UK having to have EV chargers installed from 2022. And obviously it seems the emphasis is being placed onto home and base charging. And as a company that sort of relies and works within that route and destination charging space, do you think that as time goes on, home charging will be by far the most dominant way of charging or will there always be that market and that need for route and destination charging? In, well, it's a good question. Uh, it's a 
Well, first thing to say is uh, home charging will definitely be pumping a lot more kilowatt hours to cars, even in 10 years time. It's going to be the dominant sort of way to charge your car. But um, for a lot of people in cities like London, which is really our demographic, um, they just do not have off-street parking. So no matter, you know, how much home chargers you install, uh, it's they won't be able to use them because, you know, as myself, for example, I live in just like a Victorian, like terraced house, no off-street parking. And I like public charging is my home charging at the end of the day. Like there is no other option. And that's the case for 40% of, of UK drivers. Um, so that's the that that's why I think public charging is super important and rapid charging is very important as well. But specifically, you know, within cities, just very convenient slow chargers and a lot of them have to be the norm um, for for it to to go in the in the right direction. I'd say, yeah. It's so to answer your question, it's definitely home charging is definitely going to be dominant, but public charging, you know, is meant for everyone else, which is you know forty percent of people in most countries. Yeah, I suppose that is one of the biggest perceived barriers to EV adoption is those that don't have off-street parking. They want that knowledge and that security of, okay, what do I do if I can't charge at home? Yeah, and it's so unfair because, you know, in London, you have the ultra-low emission zones, the congestion charge, and London is the craziest in that, you know. Uh, so I have a lot of neighbors, you know, where there's probably like six EVs on our street and one charger. So those poor guys are all, you know, hovering over that one charger trying to get it after work. If you don't get it, then you have to go to like the Tesco or the, you know, the street that's like five minutes down the road. So, yeah, so a lot to be done in that space. Yes. So from your perspective, then, because you're quite an interesting case study, an example as to how much infrastructure is actually out there already and how much progress has been made. So when you're out and about and you need to charge your EV, do you struggle at all or can you always find a charger whenever you need to? Well, thanks to Barnett, I can. No, <laughs> kidding. Uh, no, I'm uh, I'm pretty set. Uh, it's cool because like uh, next to work we have a good charge point, a public one as well. I have the, a couple of rapids five minutes away, and they're like proper rapids, 150 kilowatt uh, units. And to be honest, I have a couple of lamppost chargers within you know a five minute walk of Sydney, which which usually does the trick. And it's not like you have to charge your car every single day. But it's like you know once every three days that you, if you commute to work, so it's really not an issue. Okay, perfect. And now, lastly, I just wanted to ask you to get your magic ball out and to get your views on how you see the market for Bonnet growing and to ask what your sort of hopes and dreams for the company are. Hopes and dreams, total world domination. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, like, it's a good dream. Exactly. Reach for the stars. Yeah, exactly. No, I think for us, honestly, like the biggest uh, KPI we measure is just CO2 saved. Um, as I said, it's the really the sustainability impact and the pollution impact is the most important thing we we focus on as a company. Um, so for sure, it's just, you know, just mega gigatons of CO2 saved. Um, and if we reach a certain threshold, that's a, a job well done. Um, but in terms of um, honestly, where the EV market is heading and where we want to be in it, our long-term goal is to be the, um, the only consumer facing product to uh, charge your car essentially i mean it sounds like a very far-fetched dream but we want to be you know the the only app on your phone um controlling the kilo that you use to control the kilowatt hours flowing into and you know hopefully one day out of your car as well when we get there with all the 
vehicle to grid um you know feasibility studies etc etc that's all for this episode many thanks for listening and if you liked this podcast then please do check out all our other episodes and be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast from to make sure you get every single episode as soon as it's released the daily news coverage features and much more you can also head over to evpower.co.uk thanks once again for listening and we'll see you on the next episode of the everything ev podcast